Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 11 of the Leap of Faith podcast. Today, I'm being joined by a good friend of mine who I've gotten to know over the past year or so. All right, not so much a year. It's been like eight months. But she's been kind of an inspiration in my life. She's a first-generation Christian, which is really cool. I feel like in today's world, if you're not born into a Christian family, the fight to become Christian is so much more difficult because culture has so many like avenues for you. Oh, do this, do that. Find your purpose in this. And Christianity is like usually downcasted. But for her, she was able to find her faith even despite not being raised in the Christian household. Her name is Jess. So Jess, do you want to begin by telling us your major? And she also attends my college, which is Liberty University. So I guess your major and how you ended up at Liberty, which is a Christian college. Yeah, so my major is interdisciplinary studies, and that changed like a million times, so we're finally on our last one. Um, So my areas of study is uh, church ministry, business, and behavioral sciences. And my favorite question people always ask me is, how did you end up at Liberty? Um, Because I think it's actually a pretty cool story. Um, I didn't grow up in a Christian home, as Ben had mentioned earlier. Um, I am a first-generation Christian, and when I found Christ, it was a very lukewarm kind of surface level Christianity that I was a part of. I attended youth group, things like that. And I had briefly heard about Liberty, um, through somebody just through like, um, through my youth group, through a youth pastor that had talked to me about it. And years later, after not even attending that youth group anymore, um, something like inside of me was like, whoa, you should like apply to Liberty and go to uh, the college for a weekend and check it out and see what it's like. And I ended up applying to Liberty and that was actually my only uh, choice. It was the only place I applied to. I didn't apply anywhere else. And if I didn't get in and if it was too expensive, I was just going to go to community college. And I ended up getting in and my parents were like, no, you can't pay for it. You can't pay for it. Um, but I was like so set on coming here. And, you know, we worked things out financially and now I'm here. And I always like to look back on it and say, like, I don't remember the time where I actually made that decision of being like, oh my gosh, like liberty is the place for me. Like it just kind of happened. And I think it's like something God did in my life before I even really gave my life to his. Like I genuinely, genuinely, truly believe that he brought me here and was doing work in me and doing work in my life, you know, through his perfect and amazing plan to bring me here without any true like self-motivation. So yeah. So... That, I think that's also really cool that you're able to recognize how God kind of guides you in your life. And I think that's something that I also find like very influential about you is how expressive you are about how you can see God working through you. Because I feel like everyone does kind of experience the working of God in their life. But to be as expressive about it as you are, I think that's really impactful to a lot of people. And the way that you do it is really encouraging to others because they can be like, well, I can just look outside and really experience God. And you can, and that's often what you say. You're like, oh, I just like, just life experiences or last semester you're talking about how there's like rain or something. There's like, remember when you're talking about the rain and you're like, there's like a storm that had gone through and you're, you're just kind of recognizing God's work even just from like rain, like a natural occurrence. 
but I think that's like really incredible. Do you know how you how you're able to so easily recognize God's work or where that kind of came from? Because yeah, obviously you didn't have your parents doing the same thing as you. You kind of just picked it up on your own. And how have you been able to just kind of keep that up, just that recognition of God consistently in your life? Um, I think for me, recognizing God, it, it took a long time to get to this point. But once I got to this point, it started to progress in a way of appreciating everything around me and the people around me and the things around me. And I think once you fully give your life to Christ, um, we go through this process called sanctification. And it means like to be set apart. But everyone goes through their own process of sanctification. And it, it really is just like the Holy Spirit working through you. And I think once you encounter the Holy Spirit or once you um, really, really get into that whole area, of, like that whole spiritual realm is when you'll start to fully recognize God in everyone and everything that you do. I used to, when I was in high school, I used to genuinely like straight up, I used to just like hate people. I used to just like look around and be like, that person's gross, that person's weird, that person does this, that person does that. So judgmental, so just like worried about what everybody else was doing. But once I realized like through Christ, like I'm no better than any of these people. Like I'm a sinner just as much as these people are sinners. And through the righteousness of Christ and through Christ's blood is where God sees us as perfect, right? Because we're covered through the blood um, on the cross. So I think um, recognizing God in people, in everything created around you, is the only way that you're ever going to like fully accept the other people around you and the other things around you. Like sometimes like you'll walk out um, of your house and, you know, we were just talking about rain before and if it's just like downpouring or if it's a storm and you're just like, oh man, like, oh, I don't want to drive in a storm or I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. If you recognize that maybe there's a purpose for that, like maybe there's a reason why it is. Maybe it's, it'll slow you down on the road so that you don't, you know, end up getting in a car crash or even not even that intense, but God works everything for good and I've seen it in so many ways and like it's just it's so real um and once you really really again talking about the Holy Spirit once you really get that encounter with the Holy Spirit is when you'll truly believe it because it's one thing to say you believe it and it's one thing to be like oh God is so good God's amazing but it's also one thing to truly experience the goodness of God um but it also again through the process of sanctification sometimes it doesn't happen like the snap of a finger for everybody um, and for me, it, it definitely was a process. It took a long time to get there. But yeah. So I feel like a lot of people who are raised in a Christian household, they kind of acquire this Christianese where they have like all the right words to say because their parents said it or their pastors said it and they just kind of adopt it as they're raised. And you always ask them like, oh, when did you, be, when did you get saved? And they're like, oh, I got saved when I was like five or six. And I don't even know if they can really recognize like when they got serious. I feel like a lot of people can, but there are some Christians who are like raised in the Christian household, just talk to Christianese and know how to walk the walk. But I don't know how like real it is for them. But I mean, we can't judge that. But when was the moment, I guess, when you kind of recognized God? Because I feel like that's such a defining moment in anyone's life and being able to describe it is really impactful where like you know other people raised in the christian household they're like oh i got saved when i was five and then it's just like i mean they're lucky they got saved from like so much 
but anyone who can kind of recognize like that turning point so do you feel like you could recognize like that turning point and like describe when that was and how that felt and like going about it and who kind of like influenced you because i feel like you definitely had questions like who who did you go to for questions during this time of like change um well i don't i wouldn't say i think like my story is definitely um non-traditional i guess since we were talking about like a lot of people especially at liberty grew up in a christian household and you know it there it's just kind of like comes easy to them or i wouldn't even say easy but it comes a little bit more naturally to just like know christian values and to be um aware of them and like my whole life i've never had like anything permanent um so i think once i got to the point of realizing that people aren't going to be permanent in your life um, and of course, like family can be permanent too, but there's also a lot of people with broken families too. There's people with, you know, mothers and fathers who leave. And, you know, I had a sibling that left and I've had friends that left, you know, uh, past relationships with people leaving. And basically the sum of my whole life is just people leaving, um, not having consistency. And I think that turning point was when I lost my last um, closest best friend because I was slowly, like, again, when I was talking about sanctification, I was slowly kind of going through that process, um, you know, fully saved at this point. And my best friend, who actually is a Christian, had left my life. And it was such a turning point for me because that's when I was, I had that expectation of, oh, like, they're a Christian, like, they should, you know, they should be the ones to stay. And it's like, no, like, God is the one who is going to stay not a person, not a family member. And it stinks to look back and be like, oh, like, like, you know, there should be people to rely on in your life. And I do agree, like, there should be people that you should rely on. And everyone should have those foundations and that type of community. But sometimes God will chip away everything in your life so that you can recognize that he is the only thing that's ever going to be consistent, that he's the only thing that's ever going to stay in your life that you can actually rely on. Like that, de- it's like that divine intervention. Um, and once I had experienced that, finally I was broken down. I was like, I have nobody to go to. I have no friends. And God really brought me to that point. And I'll bring this up uh, really fast. It's a it's basically a couple chapters in Exodus. There's a bunch of plagues, um, and God specifically sends this plague of frogs on this, um, on this town of people. Um, and all they wanted was like for these frogs to just like help them or so it was something with like helping out, um, like their community with the frogs and they were relying on these frogs to help them. Um, so God, what he did when he noticed that, you know, his people weren't turning to him, he sent in a literal plague of frogs. And these people at that point hated frogs so much because there was a plague. And God's like lesson through that was that, you know, you rely on so much, like I'm going to give you so much. And he gave it to them and they realized like, this isn't what I want. So that's what God did in my life. He gave me friends. He gave me everything that I wanted. And then it turned out to not be what I wanted. It turned into a plague. Um, and all for the moral lesson to realize that like God should be the one you turn to. Like God should be like the ultimate, you know, the ultimate friend, I guess, your best friend. You shouldn't call anybody your best friend. That's my belief. You should call him your best friend. So yeah. Yeah, I I completely agree with everything you just said. How, like, I was just thinking about this a while ago, how 
love like you can love someone so easily when they're like your you know your best friend or like they're doing everything right and they're like oh i really like this person because they're just so nice to me and everything but you know down the line you're gonna mess up you're gonna fail you're not gonna meet the expectations of everyone and you're not gonna people aren't gonna meet your expectations and therefore like people will leave you and people will like abandon you or or you're just gonna disappoint them or they're gonna disappoint you but i feel like it's the people who stick around even after that disappointment is that's like a demonstration of like the actual love that they have for you. And I think that's what God does all the time. That's like true consistent love, how we can fail so much in front of God, but he'll still like consistently love us. And I feel like you can sometimes find that in people, but it's like really hard because people have expectations of everyone else and you're not going to meet them all. And then people just like abandon you. But the people that do stick around, even when you do disappoint them, I think that's a true demonstration of love and care for other people. So I think it's really cool that you're able to recognize that, that God's, how hard it is to come by consistent love and like how God has always been consistent for everyone. So that's a really cool revelation that you had. So that friend that you mentioned that kind of left you was, this This was in college, right? Yeah. So in high school, who, and you said that you would, you got saved in college your freshman year. So prior to college, would you have claimed to be a Christian? Yeah, you would. You would. So, okay. Why, what made you think that you were a Christian in high school? And then what made you realize that maybe you weren't in college? Like, what was that difference that made you realize like, okay, I actually need to get serious about it like how are you acting in college compared to or how are you acting in high school compared to college that made you recognize that things need to change that's a very good question I like this one okay so um I'll be the first person to talk about um you know what it's like to call yourself a Christian and not have a relationship with Christ there's so many people that I know sadly at college and even outside of college back at home that call themselves Christians and, you know, that believe Jesus died for you, that believe Jesus died for them, but they don't have a solid relationship with Christ. So starting off like in high school, I mean, I, I grew up in a really, really very educated home. Like my family, my parents, they were divorced, but they still raised me a really good way. And I'm very, very thankful for them. I love both my parents. Um, they raised me with good morals and I'd like to think that their morals were backed up from biblical values um, because my dad went to Catholic school. My mom did go to a uh, Christian church when she was younger, but had some of her own childhood traumas um, that brought her away from church. So even though I wasn't raised as a Christian, I guess I was baptized Catholic as a baby and we would go to our, you know, uh, local Catholic church on Easter Sundays and things like that. Um, so I, I had always believed in the existence of God, but when high school came around, um, I was going through a really, really rough time and I had a friend who invited me to a youth group and he was like, Hey, like I go to a Christian church and we have this youth group and we play games and we do this and we sing. And I was like, yeah, I mean, I guess I have no other friends. Like, why not? Let me just go to youth group. Sounds fun. And I went and I was actually really, really distracted because the worship leader was like really cute. And I was like, oh my gosh. So he actually is the reason why I kept going back to youth group. And 
for some reason in my brain I was like whoa if I like worship or if I like this or if I like that like maybe this worship leader would like recognize me or if he would like notice me and that was I guess my motive for going to youth group at least my freshman year of high school and then I had you know started following up with the church on Sunday mornings I had started learning like that Christianity is very different than Catholicism and that even just the community is very different. Like, I didn't know you didn't have to wear a dress to church. And I know a lot of people in Christian churches do, but I was, you know, always convinced like it's, you know, it's so strict and serious and you got to dress up and you got to look nice and you got to be quiet and things like that. And it it low key, like (laughs) it kind of felt like a cult because everyone was just kind of like wearing jeans or sweats and, you know, they're all just hanging out, having fun. And it was cool, but I was like, whoa, like it's almost like too good to be true. So I was connected to this church back at home all throughout high school. Um, I had gotten to an um, a relationship, a really, really toxic relationship. It lasted for about four years. And I guess that relationship brought me away from the church. So I was still attending and I was still kind of involved in the youth group, but more for like my own pleasure, um, to just like hang out with the people there rather than actually trying to understand Christ or learn Christ. So he had brought me away from that. The relationship was not very pure. It was very sinful. And I was even sinful outside of that. Just a lot of things that weren't aligning with the things I was learning at youth group or learning at church. But I wasn't aware of, you know, the severity of that. I was aware that confess with your mouth that, you know, Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart and you'll be saved. And like, that was my mindset. I'm like, as long as I do that, like whatever I do, like God will forgive me. I'm young. I'm this, I'm that. It's just very, you know, very selfishness. And unfortunately that's a main mindset that a lot of Christians, I'm not going to use actual percentages, but it feels like 95% of Christians um, today are like that. And that's where I was until, you know, I talked a little bit about how I got to Liberty until um, I did actually come to Liberty. Um, You know, we had convocation and we had this and we had that. And I had a friend group when I was here at college. And that friend group, I guess, was really rooted in Christ. We did worship nights and we did certain things. And I had started realizing that these people, even though some of them grew up in Christian homes, some didn't, realized that these people are a lot deeper in Christianity than I thought it was. Like Christianity to me was such surface level things. I had never really opened my Bible on my own before. And like my roommate at the time was like, you know, doing her own Bible studies and like praying at night. And she was just like, oh yeah, I'm going to go spend time with God. And I was like, what do you mean you're going to go spend time with God? I was like, that's just like weird. I thought, you know, isn't that what church is for? Isn't that what Sunday mornings are for or convocation is for? Um, So once I started, I guess, learning about other people and learning about their walk with Christ is what encouraged me to be like, wait, this, what I'm doing is not right. Um, Because me worshiping, you know, at Convo or at, you know, Sunday service is not real. It's because everyone else is doing it. And I realized like, I'm not a fake person. I've never been a fake person. I've always been very real, very upfront with how I feel about just everything in general, um, about life. And I was like, whoa, like guys, like, I feel like I'm not doing this right. Um, and I like to think that this group of friends and that this, uh, specific friend, was in my life for that season to help me get to this part. And I'm so grateful for that. And I'm really grateful that God 
placed that person in my life. Um, unfortunately, they're not in my life anymore, but God put that person in my life so that I could reach that stepping stone, like that milestone of um, changing this lukewarmness to actual, you know, a relationship with Christ. Because at the end of the day, we know it's not a religion, you know, it's a lifestyle. It's, you know, the way that he's the way, the truth, the life. So um, I finally changed my mindset in that. And I, I, that's when everyone asks like, oh, when did you get saved? That's when I like to say that I had gotten saved. And I'm not going to say it was an altar call moment. It wasn't a Jonathan Falwell call you up to the stage kind of thing. I'm not into that. I don't like that for my part, like for my personal walk, that wasn't something that I felt like I needed to do. My, like my journey being saved was very, very personal with God. Um, and it was just like a moment, uh, and again, another divine intervention in my life where God was like, okay, like I'm ready for you. And I was like, I'm ready for you. And then we just kind of like high-fived and like, here I am. (laughs) So (laughs) hopefully that makes sense. Dude, I feel like we have very similar testimonies how in high school it was I feel like this is everyone's like kind of journey in high school it's like you just want to be liked and you want to feel like you have your people and your community and definitely youth group being in a community of a bunch of high schoolers all equally trying to be liked and find their people you're going to do things that other people are doing to fit in and I think it was cool that you wanted to be appreciated at youth group by doing the like the walk you know like doing the uh singing at youth group and stuff like that that was encouraging but i feel like for everyone in high school like it only goes up to a point and then people are like oh let's go do this and do that and then you want to be accepted like oh let's go to a party let's do this and then it's like okay i can only like sing at youth group so much and then i want to be accepted by these people too and these people and then there's like a crossroads and i feel like you get to college and it's like, wow, like people aren't like high school is such a weird, unique place and journey of just like insecurity and wanting to be appreciated by everyone. And you get to college and it's like, people actually don't care about that. Like people are like choosing their own paths and it's not so much about, Oh, can I be liked by everyone? And then I feel like you found a good group that were paving their own paths towards Christ, which is why I truly believe that your salvation it's not just your salvation. It's like everyone else's salvation around you because you can influence so many people just by following God with like a strength that like outweighs the culture. Um, yeah. So that's why I think like you on your journey, you need, you need to like very much value your testimony because you can destroy your testimony with one dumb mistake or one sinful action. You can destroy your testimony and then people will look at it and be like, okay, how real is Christianity like oh do I even have to believe this I think that's a lot of deception that happens in high school in youth group when people are going to youth group and then going out and partying and then you want to be liked and then you join them but that's why like you need to really focus on your own testimony because you're saving your life and so many other lives just by being committed to it and just you have uh, something to say yeah I was just going to follow up with what you were saying about like how other people's salvation around you leads to your own salvation and I think that that is so important and why Christian communities are so important um I mean God says we're not called to be alone even though we should be relying on only God we're not called to be alone and Christian communities are so important I mean you look at the disciples like there were 12 of them and like Jesus sent them out in pairs like if 
we were supposed to do this on our own, we wouldn't, you know, he would have sent them out by themselves. Um, and I think that having certain Christian, really, really good Christian influential people around you is such an important thing that we have to remember to do as much as you possibly can, because sometimes, you know, even if you go home, like from say, like we're at a Christian university now, like if I go home, I don't have a Christian community around me, but like, who's to say, like, I can't try, like, I need to, you know, it's important to, like, get connected to a church, and so I always, people, people always talk about getting connected to churches, because at the end of the day, like, these, you know, he says to surround yourself with good company, um, you know, and bad company corrupts character, too, so, yeah. Also, I feel like in college, you have so much more control over the people that you associate with, because you're, like, opened up to so many unique people, instead of like a high school cluster of like 30 people and then you only have to pick between those people so i think college is a great opportunity to find the right people to associate with to grow in your faith and then therefore allow other people to grow in their faith too through your growth and faith so i think that's really amazing that you're able to find your group find people that could influence you and it's definitely still showing the strength that you've acquired through your freshman year up until now all right, being able to interact with you now, it seems like you're very like committed to your faith, like fully committed. And I feel like a lot of people, when they first get serious about their faith or join like Christianity or declare Jesus as Lord, along with that comes like maybe questioning or doubts. And sometimes people justify their faith with like, oh, I'm a Christian because it will last through culture or I'm a Christian because, Oh, it's the most loving religion or I'm a Christian because, um, God is love. And like they add like a little extra thing, but a lot of people don't recognize that, you know, Christianity is Christian because it's the truth, you know, it's like just the truth. Like you don't have to add an extra thing to it to try and explain it away. Like you just, we just have to recognize that's the truth. And I feel like you do a really good job with just recognizing like, this is how life is. This is how the world is. Like there's no questioning or adding, like trying to explain another way. Like it's the truth. Have you ever had doubts during your walk in your faith and how did you reconcile them? Or have you come to terms with any doubts that you have had about Christianity? And what did you kind of do with them in your walk? Um, yeah, I think doubts are a super, super common thing, and I don't want people to ever think that just because you are having doubts that you're not a Christian or that you're not saved. I think as our human nature, as our sinful nature, and even just the presence of the enemy um, in our everyday lives, like doubts will happen. It does happen. But God says that when that does happen, you must remain in his word. And I think that remaining in God's word is what kind of I wouldn't say cure those doubts but like completely eradicates them I think because right like he says Hebrews 4 12 like the word of God is like sharp as a double-edged sword like it's your it really is your weapon and you can use it against anything you can use it against the enemy and doubt is such a negative thing unfortunately that we all face daily and like you can use the word of God to like again completely eradicate that type of feeling. So even just opening up your Bible, just reading 
anything, reading like absolutely anything, because you can get anything out of anything because it's the word of God. Um, It's so firm and it's so true. So like I started a study um, when I first had finally committed my life fully to God. I started my study in Matthew um, just because I figured, let me let me learn about Jesus. Let me learn about his life. And I'm currently, you know, working my way through the New Testament because I want to finish it. But I'm also not, you know, rushing to finish it because I want that word of God to resonate. And I think it's really important to slow read through it. It's kind of crazy every single time I open my Bible um, because I think also as Christians, we should be vulnerable about things like this. But like, it's not very easy to just like open it up every single day and be like, oh my gosh, like I'm going to have my Bible study. Like we are not perfect. And that expectation, unfortunately, I wish it could be met every day, but it's just not because we're lazy people. We're selfish people. But every time I do open it, it always ends up being something I need to hear, especially when I'm doubting, especially when I'm in that like part of my life or in that part of my day where I'm like, God, where are you? Like, God, what are you doing? And it always ends up being something, even if it's just a verse or if it's a whole passage or a parable. Um, God always will speak to you if you want to listen. Um, And there's something actually in one of my classes and it's like, speak Lord for your servant is listening. And that's, I think that's seven words. Yeah. Speak Lord for your servant is listening. Yeah. Seven words. It is the most powerful seven words that you can ever say, especially whether you're praying or whether you're about to do a devotional or a Bible study. Um, Speak Lord for your servant is listening because we are servants of God and we have to be willing to listen and we have to be willing to be open to it. So if I'm having doubts or if I'm having any sort of negative emotions, not even towards God, but just towards the world, it's so important to just recognize you're a servant, recognize that God has a purpose for you and allow him to speak to you through whatever it may be. So I really encourage anybody who does have doubts, open it up to, you know, anything that you think that you can get something out of because you can get something out of, you know, Proverbs, Psalms, you can get something out of Romans, first and second Corinthians. Like you can go back and forth from the old Testament. Don't get caught up in, Oh, I have to read this or I have to read that. And like, God will speak to you and God will use his, his his words. Like he says, a double edged sword, like he will use, um, you know, his own words to, to help you through it. You just got to listen. You just got to be open. And then usually those doubts go away and uh, you kind of continue on. So, yeah. I, I think that that's really incredible that you did start, I guess, like really attacking the Bible on the like beginning of your, of your faith walk. And well, for me personally, when I became strong in my faith, I was just like reading, I kind of did like the same thing, like go through the gospels and I was just reading a lot. And then I kind of just like fell out of reading the Bible. Like I just kind of stopped. And I think it was because I got like really excited about, oh, my new strength in my faith. And I'm like, wow, the Bible is so real. But I hadn't really built up like habits to incorporate reading the Bible on a consistent like weekly basis where it looks like that's exactly what you did, which I think that can really like save someone from going through that like dark time where doubts just consume them. Cause like I definitely experienced so many doubts when I wasn't reading the Bible after I had, I had gone on that high of let's read the Bible in like one sitting. And then I stopped reading the Bible and I had doubts and I was like, wow, like God's cruel. 
And I went on this like tangent for like five months about how God is cruel. And I think that all would have been saved if I had just consistently read my Bible and built up habits and recognized, yeah, my laziness and my not wanting to read the Bible, like as a human who gets bored by reading books. So like, I feel like building up habits is such a key element to, uh, you know, counteracting the doubts, you know, and just reading the Bible, like you mentioned, which is, yeah, just such a good answer to doubts. Just read the Bible, get the answers from the, from the man himself, you know? So I think that's incredible that you built up those habits. And I think a lot of Christians should just have like a time and a place to just read their Bible every day or yeah, just flip open it and find answers in like any book. doesn't matter which book of the Bible. So that's really dope. Um, Jess, one thing that I kind of recognize about you is that you are very articulate with your thoughts. And last night I was watching a YouTube video and it kind of was talking about how Gen Z cannot think or speak clearly. And I think it's very true for our generation. There's like a lot of people that just don't know how to think for themselves. And they come across someone who can think clearly and speak. And they're like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to think like you. So I think that that's really cool that you can think so clearly and kind of like speak fluently about your thoughts. Like that's a skill. That's like almost a bless. That's a, that is a blessing from God. And you said that you want to go into ministry. How do you feel like you're going to use that to, I don't know, to express ministry? Like how do you feel like, have you even seen that in your lifetime so far, how being able to articulate your thoughts has benefited you? with spreading the gospel if you want to like go into that yeah I mean unfortunately I haven't had as much experience with it as I've wanted to but again what I was saying before like I think God is equipping me to get there eventually um even with just something like this just like responding to really deep questions in a podcast like that's you know equipping me to hopefully eventually be able to talk to people and talk to more people. And I think like this generation, unfortunately, is so used to just like relying on social media and relying on, again, like you were saying, other people to talk for them. Um, But at the same time, even looking at it biblically, like we're all not supposed to have the same purpose and we're all not supposed to have the same skills. So even if people aren't as good at talking for themselves, I think that those people are in need of somebody to help them and to talk for them. Like we learned in our church ministry class, like all like the church is made up of so many different body parts. It's made of, up of so many different parts, right? Cause the church is the bride of Christ. So there needs to be different body parts that makes up this bride. And to do that, like there needs to be quiet people and there needs to be loud people and there needs to be outspoken people. And, it's actually such a beautiful thing to see when all of that comes together. Um, so if that means that I'm going to be, you know, one of the outspoken people in this, you know, in, you know, these different body parts, like that would be awesome. And I think that God will equip you to have those, you know, specific roles, whether it's specifically in a church or in a group or in a ministry group or a project for a class, whatever it may be. Um, we all have different purposes. Um, so I do really enjoy being outspoken. I love talking and some people just don't. And, uh, some people can learn to get good at it. And sometimes they're just not meant, just not meant to, and they're meant to be, you know, follow, like not necessarily followers. Um, but just, you know, having a different skill other than being the outspoken one, if that makes sense.
So yeah. So you mentioned before, kind of at the beginning of the podcast, how you've switched your major at least like four times and you finally ended on interdisciplinary. So I'm kind of wondering with all those changes in college, do you feel like each time you changed your major or like how you landed on interdisciplinary, how did you go about those leaps of faith in your life? And how how have you like kind of reconciled like, because I feel like the more we have to take leaps of faith, the more we come in the question like God, like, like what is the plan? Like, I just want to know the plan. Like, just give me the plan. How have you kind of reconciled that, you know, like, it's a, I guess like a daily faith walk, like a daily, let's take a leap of faith, like daily. How have you reconciled that? And then where do you think, you know, you're, you're going kind of with this interdisciplinary major where you think God is kind of guiding you with it? Did that make sense? Um, yeah, I think, um, I'm happy to know that it's a pretty normal thing to change your major a lot of times, maybe not as many times as I did. I don't know. It says like average, like four times, um, as a college student, but, um, I came in as a communications major. I didn't really want to do that, but my mom was like, Oh, it makes sense. You don't want to go in undecided. So just pick something you have to take gen eds anyways. And I was like, okay, fine. I'm a comms major, I guess. Um, that's kind of a very basic thing. Not that there's anything wrong with comms, but it's a very like, you know, general uh area of study um and then I was like I don't really want to do that I love being in charge I love organizing I love planning so then I switched to hospitality event like specifically event planning um because that's something I love doing I love just like getting groups of people together organizing things like seeing you know like my plan like play out it's just like it's so fun and then I had realized like the industry itself is not something I was as much interested in um so then I switched to this was the biggest leap of faith (laughs) I switched to uh Christian leadership church ministry from hospitality which is a complete like 360 or 180 whatever um and that leap of faith came from I guess my salvation um and I hate to say you know that a speaker from convocation convinced me, but at the same time, a speaker from convocation, um, really genuinely like spoke to me through his message. And I don't remember what his full message was, but I do remember that moment where I was, you know, writing down in my notes, like everything he was saying. And he was like, if you, regardless of what your career is, if your main goal for life is not what God says it should be, then you should like really reconsider like, what are you doing? And what I was doing with hospitality was event planning. I want to plan events, but at the same time, these events could be for anybody. These events could be, you know, for something that I don't necessarily agree with. And my kind of motive for that was something that I really wanted to do. Like event planning was something that pleased me. And as a Christian, as Christians, we're not supposed to focus on things that please ourselves and we're supposed to focus on things that can please people around you and can please God. So, you know, I was saved, you know, going through the process of sanctification and I was on some spiritual high where I was like, okay, I'm going to do Christian leadership church ministry. And it's such a great major. It really is. I took, you know, intro courses for it and it's amazing. But 
I also kind of realized I don't necessarily want to spend thousands of dollars and graduate with a degree that is only going to get me a job at a church. And of course, I'd love to work at a church, but like I still want to do something with my life. So after changing around from big to small, I had finally realized and I sat down with God and I was like, hey, like, I don't know what I want to do with my life, but I know that I want to pursue ministry. I know I want to make people happy. I know I want to plan things. I want to be in charge of things and I want to start a business. Like I just want to do everything because it's cool. Like we're like, we're humans. Like we can do whatever we want, you know, as long as, you know, it's glorifying God. So God had kind of opened a doorway for me to meet a bunch of um, interdisciplinary uh, major students and they had talked to me about it and told me how beneficial the program was and that was kind of like my final decision of okay let me combine everything I want to in one degree because at the end of the day as you know if you're not trying to get a specific job like as long as you have a college degree like you've accomplished something so for me God really just sat me down and was like it's not as serious as you're making it you know I care God was telling me like I care more about the impacts that you make through the great commission and through you know your main uh mission on this earth and whatever you want your career to be like as long as ministry is involved somehow or you're reaching people or you're doing things from people or spreading the gospel in your everyday life that is all that matters and that's why I like to encourage everybody that regardless of what your degree is it doesn't matter God has a plan for your life and God has a mission for your life whether it's you know reaching a small group of people or you know leading one person to salvation like everyone has a purpose and everyone is going to be placed where they needed to be, you know, in the right time, in the right, right moment. And that biggest leap of faith was finally saying like, it really doesn't matter because I'm fully reliant on what God has for me. And whatever decision I make, I know is going to be, you know, prayed about and just genuinely thought through without having any sort of anxieties or doubts as to whether this is where God wants me or not. And I'm that type of person who's like, hey, if God wants me to change my major to like biomedical sciences tomorrow, like I'll do it. And I don't think God would do that to me, but sometimes he'll wreck your plans like crazy. And he's wrecked my plans many, many times. Um, so we as Christians have to be open to God leading us down a path that we're not, that we're not expecting. Um, but the one good thing is that God's not going to give you something or put you somewhere without equipping you first. He's not going to put you in a situation that you can't handle. So through those major changes, God was slowly equipping me to be where I want to be. He was equipping me to realize like hospitality, event planning, like that's something I'd love to do. I'd love to plan events, Christian leadership, church ministry. I want to be a leader. I want to be in ministry. I want to do this. And slowly chipping away, you know, you know, gearing me up. And here I am now kind of combining it all, hopefully going to do something great with it. But yeah, so that's where I'm at. Dude, um, that's fire. Because I, f- <laughs> I feel like a lot of people don't recognize that their kind of frustration with God is just because they're fighting their plans with God's plans. They're like contradicting each other. They're like combating their plans with God's plans and I don't think you're gonna have peace with your life until you take that leap of faith you're not gonna begin to kind of work out God's plan for you until you take that leap of faith because so many times people don't even recognize it their their 
plan for their life that they want to think God's plan for their life too is just stuff that they want to do. Stuff like, oh, I enjoy this. Like, oh, this is for me. Like, oh, this has to be like a God thing. But I don't think like your life really begins until you take that leap of faith where it's like, okay, God, I'm just going to go with your plan. I'm just going to go with your plan. And that's like, yeah, a lot of people get frustrated. And then just take that leap of faith and, and you'll be so much more content with your life, so much more just at peace. Like you could switch your major four times like Jess and be an interdisciplinary and still be at peace, which is amazing. Like so many people in college are changing their majors and they're still like very hopeless or very much just what the heck am I doing? And that's because they haven't like forfeited their plans up to God, which I think a lot of people in college just need to do that and just start on that path. So just I feel like you've come a long way in your walk, in your faith, even up until this point where you're in like a very vulnerable, just kind of questioning moment or like career wise path wise and you've still like given it up to god and taken that leap of faith so i think that's really incredible just do you have any final words for the world or for the podcast or anything else you'd like to mention before we close out the episode um yeah i think just kind of wrapping everything up i think the most important thing to remember um is that we're all not perfect and we're going to face things that we're not expecting, but just really dialing life back to God is gonna, God's gonna make a way because God is good. That's really what all of this comes down to. And like from my testimony, from my life, I've seen that happen time and time again, but you have to want that to happen. Um, unfortunately we can't sit here and just be like, Oh God, like, why are you not bringing me to this place? Or why are you not doing this for me we have to be willing to do things for God and you'll see the change and you'll see things start happening in your life once you're fully ready and fully submitted to him so yeah Jess thank you for coming on to episode 11 of the leap of faith podcast I can see so much of the fruit in your life as you walk with God and I think it's truly amazing so keep up the good work All right, that is the conclusion of episode 11. (laughs) Goodbye.